This week in KMA Land, copper theft causes Clorinda power outage. Page County supervisors squabble over Wind Project legal counsel. Mills County seeks a new public health administrator. Another Labor Day parade rolls in Essex. And we'll preview some big bond issue votes coming up Tuesday. I'm Mike Peterson. Some mid-American energy customers entered around Clorinda lost power late Monday night. Not because of a storm, but because of vandalism at a power substation. Mid-American spokesman Jeff Greenwood told KMA News over 1,100 residents were without power from 11 p.m. Monday to around 2 a.m. Tuesday. Greenwood says Mid-American System Control Center detected an issue Monday evening, prompting the company to send a substation crew to assess the problem. While the control center wasn't sure what caused the issue, Greenwood says when crews arrived, they quickly identified the cause of the alert. When they arrived at the substation, they saw that someone had cut a hole in the fence. And as they got inside the substation, they saw a pile of copper wire that had been cut. And that was uh, on the ground. And it appears that someone had cut wire and uh, made a pretty quick exit out of the substation. However, Greenwood says crews had to shut down the power from the station to several customers for safety reasons while conducting repairs. He adds the repairs did take a few hours to complete. Our crew um, got the replacement materials they needed, the wires and cables that they needed, and uh, made those repairs. But first they had to turn off that substation to make sure that they could do their jobs safely. And once they were able to replace uh, those materials, uh, they energized that circuit and restored those customers. Yes, this isn't the first time copper wire has been cut or taken from one of its substations. But Greenwood says entering a live substation unsupervised or without permission can present a severe safety risk. I can't emphasize enough how much risk you are putting yourself uh, into when you are messing around with 69,000 volts of electricity. It's just a dangerous, dangerous idea to, uh, to break into an active substation that is energized. Uh, just a tremendous risk to anyone who does that. Greenwood says similar acts occurred at substations in Hastings, Glenwood, and twice in Emerson. The Page County Sheriff's Office says a suspect was arrested in connection to the incident Tuesday morning. Another episode of As the Turbine Turns produced real drama in the Page County Courthouse this week as officials squabbled over legal counsel on agreements for an upcoming wind project. By a two-to-one vote Tuesday evening, the Page County Board of Supervisors appointed Supervisor Chuck Morris and Supervisors Chair Alan Armstrong to work with Ehlers and Cooney in preparing the road use and decommissioning agreements, respectively, regarding Invenergy's Shenandoah Hills Wind Project. The 200-megawatt project would straddle the Page-Fremont County line south of Shenandoah. Morris says he and Armstrong would work with legal counsel to develop the agreements and take suggestions from the board and Ehlers and Cooney lawyer Marie Maria Brownell, who would then also relay those requests to and from Invenergy. Whoever works with the, uh, on behalf of the board with Maria Brownell could do that work each week, come back and report to the board what has been mm-hmm. discussed and where the pinch points are or are not until we get to uh, an agreement that this board can be comfortable with. The decision comes after the board approved the project's permit application by a two-to-one vote last month. 
Armstrong says Brownell has provided multiple suggestions on approaching the negotiations, including conferring with board-appointed representatives. However, Supervisor Jacob Holmes, who cast the lone dissenting vote, questioned why the discussions couldn't be held in open meetings, which he says was one of the suggestions Brownell gave along with written comments from her office. He says requests from the board members to legal counsel would likely differ and wants to hear suggestions straight from Brownell. What she told me on the phone was she wants to do whatever we want. Mm-hmm. I'll do whatever you want, whatever your board wants. Well, I might want different things than you do, and, and Alan might want different things than I do, so I'd kind of like to be there to see what, what is hammered out. Otherwise, even if we come in and update each other later, it's, it's going to be a, you know, a futility. We're going to be going in circles because you're going to come in here and I'll say, well, I don't like that. We've got to call Marie again. I've got to ask her my questions. It's like we might as well just work through it where all points of view are ironed out. Holmes added topics surrounding the possibility of litigation with Invenergy or protecting the county could and should still be held in closed session. However, Morris emphasized they would make no formal decisions during the meetings with Brownell and only serve as a more efficient negotiation process. But that sparked a brief exchange between uh, Morris and Holmes, who questioned how involved he would be in making the agreements and the efficiency. So when you're crafting these agreements, I have nothing to do other than respond. No, you have a lot to do. What what do I do? When you give me what you've thought of, then I give you my ideas and you take it back to Maria Mm -hmm. next week or what? Yep. Yep. Why wouldn't I sit there with you Mm -hmm. and do it right then? Because it's moving it forward. That sounds slower. That would be slower. It's going to take extra weeks to do this. Despite the board's approval, Holmes requested future dates and times of the planning sessions with legal counsel so he could attend, which would then create a quorum for the board and require a publication in the meeting and minutes to be taken of any discussion. Stay tuned. Another search for a new public health administrator is underway in Mills County. At a special meeting Tuesday night, the Mills County Board of Health approved advertising within local newspapers and on the county website for the public health role. Mills County Supervisor Richard Crouch says the move comes after now-past administrator Lori Ann Gentry and the board decided to go their separate ways, rooted mainly in different ideas for the agency. Gentry had succeeded longtime county public health official Julie Lines back in May. Crouch says the recent hiring process could help streamline the current search. They've got all their job descriptions and stuff down. All they have to do is bring it out of the paperwork, put it back into the process. Of county uh, has got a system we use for hiring, and then they talked about reaching out further, maybe into Nebraska, Missouri. You know, open it up to people, bring some people in, you know, that maybe have some ideas and things that could help improve things. And- he adds the board explored possibly sharing a public health administrator with a neighboring county. Crouch says there's some urgency to fill the position as public health nurse and interim administrator Lori Greiner has also informed the county she is close to retirement. Crouch says he expects another promising field of candidates after the Board of Health received several qualified applicants earlier this year. I know that they had a half a dozen good applicants that they had to choose from, you know, and they some of them still had... Uh, people in mind, you know, that they had interviewed, you know, a couple months ago. So I think it's going to help out a lot. They're, they're familiar with what they have to do, and I don't think it'll take that long. Crouch estimates the hiring process could take up to three to four months between advertising, vetting, and candidate interviews. He says the public health administrator role in Mills County is slightly more hands-on on top of the typical duties due to no hospital located in the county. With vaccinations and stuff that we have to handle or did handle during COVID, you know, getting 
getting everything set up, organized, uh, you know, seeing this run properly. There's more to it than just being an administrator. You know, they they, they got to run a budget, uh, you know, and they have to hire and they have to let people go. He says the county will advertise for the position until it's filled. Once again, a little town with a big heart staged another big Labor Day celebration. Essex was the destination for KMA land residents for a menagerie of activities, including the traditional Labor Day parade Monday afternoon. In addition to the usual assortment of floats, tractors, law enforcement, fire and emergency vehicles, area bands were presented, including the Shenandoah High School Marching Mustang. Other bands participating include Shenandoah's Middle School, Essex's Middle School and High School Bands, and the Stanton High School Band. Royalty riding down the streets of Essex included Olivia Baker, Miss Essex for 2022. It's just an honor. I know Labor Day is a huge part of what we do here in Essex, so I'm just glad that I get to represent it. Miley Ward was crowned Little Miss Essex for this year, and one of the city's legendary figures served as the 2022 Parade Grand Marshal. Mary Ann Stewart and husband Allen came to Essex in 1980. Both longtime area instructors, Mary Ann says she and her husband have been active in a long list of community activities. We've always volunteered in church. We taught Sunday school. We sponsored the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and we really worked with the school try to make sure that it's here for years, many years to come. Perhaps Marianne is most proud of their work with the Essex Education Foundation, a major benefactor for the district for years to come. We've been able to give quite a bit of money to the school already so in the first year, so we're really proud of that. In addition, the Essex Community Club named the late Donna Franks as 2022 Honorary Grand Marshal. Still to come, a special election preview. Stay tuned. Montgomery County Sheriff's Office is getting much-needed help at the front desk. By unanimous vote Tuesday morning, the county's Board of Supervisors approved Sheriff John Spinagla's request to hire a full-time staff member for the County Law Enforcement Center's front office on a regular basis. Previous requests from Spinagle for additional help were rejected, but the sheriff says another clerk is needed to cover the LEC's front desk when the current staffer is on vacation. Presently, the sheriff's office closes as early as 2 p.m. in those situations. I find it ridiculous that our front office is closed at 2 o'clock in the afternoon if our girl takes a vacation day and we have no help. It's been a pet peeve of mine and I, I can't stand it. And, you know, our front office girl's been there, I'm going to guess, for years, maybe even longer. So she's maxed out on, you know, vacation. She gets a lot of vacation. She earns it. She should be able to take it as well. I just, I just feel that we need to have somebody there all the time. When somebody walks into that office, somebody needs to greet them. Spinagle adds the workload necessitates a second clerk. Plans call for shifting duties from sheriff's deputies, bringing them up for activities outside the office. Though Spinagle estimates the additional staffers cost at seventy thousand dollars. He adds the county has generated approximately $85,000 thus far this year in room and board fees from out-of-county inmates. The sheriff expects that total to reach $120,000 by the end of the year. A lot of these are gang members, so to categorize them, you have to, the segregation is different because, you know, you can't put two rival gangs together, which has happened, so we live and learn. So it's just kind of how things go. I don't, I don't look for it to go away. Spinagle, however, says the new clerk would require a budget amendment for this department. 
He expects the hiring to take place within the next 30 to 60 days. Red Oak officials are using two funding sources to upgrade the city's ambulance fleet. By unanimous vote Tuesday night, the Red Oak City Council approved the purchase of a new ambulance from Lifeline Emergency Vehicles of Sumner for $168,578.94. Council members also approved a resolution to apply for financial assistance from the USDA to cover 55% of the purchase cost. Red Oak Fire Chief John Bruce told the council USDA officials informed his department Tuesday that grant money was available for the vehicle. However, the deadline to apply for funding was Wednesday. Despite the tight time frame, Bruce urged the city to seek the grant money. Short timeline if you want, but we can't leave that kind of money on the table. And we got to keep this fleet rotated in and on the road, ready to go. In addition, the city would use almost $138,000 in American Rescue Plan Act funding to cover most of the cost. Now, Bruce says the new unit's purchase would bring the city's ambulance fleet back to four. However, only the city's 2000 Freightliner was in service as of August 1st. The other units have mechanical issues, including a 2017 Dodge with approximately 148,000 miles that recently broke down on Interstate 29. The turbo went out. It blew the turbo in the engine. Squat out of service. We were able to get it towed back. I went and picked up the crew, got them back. Thanks to Precision, they got it right in. They had a turbo on hand to throw in it until they can get the bigger size. So it'll, it'll run like it's supposed to. But we'll handle calls right now. It's actually in the city doing a transfer. Bruce says it's best to purchase the unit now as costs are expected to increase October 1st. He adds it may take a year to 18 months before it's delivered. City officials expect another recently purchased ambulance to arrive in December. Special elections on some major referendums beckon in KMA land Tuesday. Voters in the Hamburg School District go to the polls next Tuesday on a $3.1 million bond issue to meet three major facilities needs at Marnie Simons Elementary School. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Tuesday morning, Hamburg School Superintendent Dr. Mike Wells says the first is construction of an 8,000-square-foot fitness center that would serve both students and local residents. One of the problems we have right now is our weight room is very small, and it's really unsafe when we have 10 to 15 kids in there lifting, so we have to kind of go in shifts when we lift. So to provide a safer weightlifting program, and also as we bring high school kids back into our facility, we need better weight systems. So uh, that's what sparked the conversation, and then the board, through the surveys, determined that the community needed a fitness center for the community as well. So we're partnering with the city on that. Well, says the bond issue's second objective is building a 250-seat auditorium for both student and community performances. Currently, we really don't have a place for assemblies and performances, and we've been doing it in the gym. The gym is an okay spot, I guess, to do it, but if we're going to take fine arts serious, we need a first-class facility for those kids to perform, and also for our community. In addition, Wells says the referendum would provide for construction of two additional classrooms to meet the demands for the district's makerspace programming for K-8 graders. Wells says the bond issue's approval by a 60% supermajority would mean no tax increase. Revenues from the district's physical plant and equipment levy funds, plus its share of secure advanced vision for education or save revenues, would cover the bond issue. Polls are open next Tuesday, or this coming Tuesday, from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. at Hamburg Scout Hall. Residents may also vote absentee at the Fremont County Auditor's Office until the day before the election. 
Meanwhile, supporters are once again trying to pass a referendum for substantial facilities upgrades in the Creston School District. Uh, voters go to the polls Tuesday in Creston to decide on a $29.4 million bond issue, just one funding source utilized for a massive construction initiative. Speaking on KMA's Morning Line program Thursday morning, Creston School Superintendent Darren Stender says the referendum is a culmination of several years of planning involving school officials and residents. You know, the Creston community and the school board of Creston has spent a lot of time going through and reviewing what their facility needs are, developing long-range plans. And what's nice about the proposed project is, is that is accumulation of seven years of work with a variety of different community groups that have looked at this studied it, worked with two different organizational firms to come up with concepts that best meet the needs of the children, the staff, and our community going forward and the education that it's going to provide. One of the bond issue's key provisions is construction of an addition to the existing facility housing first through eighth graders. The project would allow for retirement of the district's early childhood center housing pre-K and kindergarten students, thus creating a centralized campus for pre-K through fifth graders. You know, the Creston community and the school board of Creston has spent a lot of time going through and reviewing what their facility needs are, developing long-range plans. And what's nice about the proposed project is, is that is accumulation of seven years of work with a variety of different community groups that have looked at this studied it, worked with two different organizational firms to come up with concepts that best meet the needs of the children, the staff, and our community going forward and the education that it's going to provide. Bond issue proceeds will also provide for construction of a multi-purpose facility. Other components include performing arts and classroom facility improvements as well. The polls in the Creston District are open Tuesday from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Lorinda school officials are asking voters Tuesday to extend the district's revenue purpose statement another 20 years. Approval by a simple majority in Tuesday's special election would allow the district to spend funding from its Secure and Advance Vision through Education or Save account through 2051. Clarenda School Superintendent Jeff Privia recently told KMA News the current language expires in eight years. Uh, it used to be the local option sales tax money. I believe that was voted in in 2008. It is set to expire in 2031. This vote will be to extend that just to 2051. So this is not a tax increase by any means. It is just a continuation of what we already have voted in place. Privia says the district's save revenues provide an important funding source for infrastructure projects. The money is used for infrastructure uh, projects like the gym, portables, those kind of things that we need to update and make a little bit better, often called the brick-and-mortar account. We get approximately $1,142 per student, and for Clarinda, that's going to be about $1.1 million that helps us able to improve infrastructure things within our district. In-person voting takes place at the Clarinda Lead Public Library September 13th from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. And voters in Adams County head to the polls Tuesday to decide on an $8.5 million bond issue covering renovations to the county courthouse. Plans call for extending the ground floor south by one full bay to accommodate space needs to improve the HVAC and air quality systems in the structure, as well as increase space for the sheriff's office and a more secure mode for transporting prisoners. That wraps up this week in KMA Land. listening each week at this time for This Week in KMA Land. And for more information all the time, log on to KMALand.com 
where you can also hear this program in its entirety. For the entire KMA News team, this is Mike Peterson. Thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend. This has been a presentation of KMA News.